0: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing our, our series of positional reviews tonight. And joining us is our good friend Tyler Gross to talk about the Ravens cornerback situation. Uh, a room that didn't looked a lot better at the beginning of the year than it did at the end. Uh, but it didn't look even that great at the beginning of the year. So, Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Thanks for having me
2: back. I think I'm officially a regular now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're, we appreciated it. You did, what, two shows during the season? Yes. Uh, during okay. the season, two shows. Yeah. A couple in the off season. Very good. Now we'll look, for, we'll look forward to more content from you, Tyler. I think people will learn to appreciate you. Hopefully give you a follow and whatnot on Twitter and, and get you in the conversation as much as, uh, as uh, you'd like to be. I want to thank our sponsor here before we move on liquid death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Please give their product a try. They've been real good to us. So the Ravens drafted two cornerbacks in 2022, but their depth, again, challenged by a whole bunch of different circumstances as the year went on. Uh, The only constant throughout this really was Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, it was. uh, I mean, you alluded to it at
2: the top with with the room, cornerback room looking better and worse at the beginning of the year. Humphrey was really the only constant. All the other cornerbacks across the board, I think, had fluctuations in their play and injuries. It made it, it made it a tough season for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, Peter's the number two cornerback and, and, you know, obviously a guy they're depending on very heavily on the outside only had a, ends up playing 69% of the snaps, even Marlon, you know, he missed some snaps and they ended up being very important snaps in that Miami game, for example, where he missed two drives. Uh, that was a big deal.
2: Yeah, it's you know, it's tough with with Hump because you love how valuable he is. He's such a great player, but you kind of don't want him to be that valuable. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's it's if it's like a couple plays he goes down and it's catastrophic, there might be some underlying issues you need to address across the the cornerback group.
0: That's a good point. I mean, the Ravens, you know, in recent years now have not been that good at developing their own cornerbacks internally so they went out and they got Peters but they've had a you know a fair number of not glowing draft successes since Humphrey in terms of the guys <laughs> they've had
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're being nice, you could say you're waiting on these guys to give your verdict and they're late bloomers. But I mean, that's kind of the optimistic look. There's a, there's a few swings and misses. It's too early to call it on these fourth rounders from last year. I I don't think you can do that after a rookie year, but I think it might almost be to the point where you can call the ceiling. Like Mm -hmm. I was trying to, I was, I was trying to go through the mental Rolodex before the pod here and think of if there is any precedent for a cornerback playing as poorly as uh JAD did and then ending up becoming a, a really good player. I mean, it's, I, I just couldn't think of any, I'm sure there is a couple examples, but yeah, it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been tough, which, which is going to be complicated as well. If you're doubling down and just drafting again for the second, third straight year when there's actually some pretty
0: good depth at cornerback free agent this year. Right. And that that's, I'm sure that's an area where the Ravens are going to look, uh, the, the, if you look down who we've talked about Humphrey and Peters, we're going to get back to their individual seasons, but Kyle Fuller, a guy that they had really put some money into. They gave him kind of a Jimmy Smith contract, a one year, $3 million deal. And it might've been two and a half, but it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's more than the vet minimum, which is what I thought he'd be signed for. Yes. When, when I heard the guy was benched twice at Denver, uh, came in, looked pretty good in the preseason, uh, played just 7% of the snaps. I think it was 75 or so before that season-ending ACL injury. Swing and a miss. Swing and a, swing and a miss. They're ironic a
2: little bit because you think maybe they, they went with Fuller instead of Jimmy Smith thinking he would be more available. Um, mm-hmm. And in hindsight, you probably would have gotten the same level of play we were seeing from Fuller during the preseason out of Smith anyway, and he would have been more familiar with the system and wouldn't have gotten as hurt.
0: And of course, the big player we're, we're, we'll talk about the players individually, but Kyle Hamilton, we talked about already with the safeties, but he came in and he eff- effectively saved the cornerback room by being able to jump in there and play unbelievably high quality, <laughs> much, much higher than I expected at, at slot corner. Uh, it's, it's almost like playing with one hand tied behind his back, but I have heard other people make the, uh, comparison that Hamilton is almost like playing free safety, at the slot corner position. He's got a defined area. You know, he, he he looks at the field like a free safety in terms of making responsibility choices, moving left, right, in, out, uh, plays very good downhill football, obviously a great tackler and and uh, rush the quarterback some from there too. So it, it's not all of the traditional things you think about, you know, be able to react to a whip move, predict a rip move perfectly, you know, look at, at leverage of their opponent, but he says great football instincts. He put them to very good use in the slot. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because
2: if we're having the cornerback conversation in a vacuum, there's some spillover for from personnel and other specific players that make the complication, you know, or make the conversation a little more complicated like Roquan and um, Kyle Hamilton, where they're, they're not cornerbacks necessarily, but they have an effect on how you look at that group, Kyle Hamilton. It's going to be interesting to see because, You know, the the Chuck Clark thing, depending on what they do with him, then the fact that Roquan's locked up, depending on if they trade Patrick Queen, all of these things are going to have a a domino effect and a trickle down to cornerbacks. Because, for example, if we have Queen, Hamilton and Roquan... To me, that makes the cornerback less of a need not not that it's not a need, but it it's it's less of a concern because you have Roquan who can play the slot in you know certain situations Kyle Hamilton who definitely can and then Patrick Queen can play the line you know off ball linebacker when Roquan
0: is kind of splitting out a little wider and it softens the 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 hit you you, you hit on a great point here, which is how much Roquan changed the defense in terms of responsibilities for others. And so obviously Roquan himself was, was great at finding the ball carrier and taking him down and doing other positive things as a pass rusher in coverage, all of that. Mm. But it allowed Patrick queen to play better. It also changed the Ravens to a committed nickel team, which means they weren't really playing dime anymore after he got here, just a few plays. And, what did that do? That meant that Kyle Hamilton no longer had an obvious choice because job because Marcus Williams and 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 Clark are on the back end. When Marcus Williams finally got back, uh, it was Geno Stone and 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 Clark who had the back end before he got back, and they had to find a place for Kyle Hamilton. And they had a need at slot corner. Marriage made in heaven. All of a sudden, right. it, didn't, it didn't necessarily see it coming, but marriage made in heaven. And what does that do? That takes away need for for Marlon Humphrey to move into the slot. Mm-hmm. And do things. So Roquan Smith's acquisition affected every all other 11 positions, including outside linebacker, defensive line, which you don't need to get into. But it, how how common is it that an acquisition of inside linebacker actually impacts your cornerbacks, your outside corners in a significant way?
2: I know it's well, first of all, not very common. It's really cool. It's not an apples to apples, but it's it's kind of, you know, kind of like that um Adelius Thomas year where you don't know what you have until until you get, you know, like a different position or a different player or an injury and then all of a sudden you start finding little I mean it'd be it'd be an interesting difference in what we thought of Kyle Hamilton's career trajectory if we don't get Roquan or we don't have the injuries at cornerback and he we never get to see what he had there. We that just might have been an untapped part of his game that we don't get to see. And, you know, I don't know that Roquan necessarily deserves a, l- a lot of credit for Kyle Hamilton being that good at slot, but him being so versatile allowed us to kind of move pieces around and find other uses. Yeah. Super, super interesting.
0: All right, let's move on and talk about uh, uh, Marlon Humphrey in particular. A- another fine year, almost played a full season. Uh, obviously, the Miami comeback was one place where he was off the field for the last couple of drives, and that that hurt the team. Uh, it's, it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's his fault or anything for this. He did play through a number of muscle injuries and there were just time when he, he just couldn't continue on the field. You could kind of see it in his play. Uh, but I thought generally speaking, extremely physical year for Marlon Humphrey, great at blocking guy to the full extent of the five yards allowed by illegal contact rules. And then coming off his guy and making plays. I mean, I, you know, he, to me,
2: he was the key for the defense this year. Like it was, it was never more obvious how important he was. I thought he had a great year, a little, he was a little up and down. I felt like there was some games where he was, he was given up, you know, given up some plays or like, I think sometimes he'll, 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 he'll rely on his physicality and end up giving up a catch that, when you're watching the play you're like dude you could have just swatted that probably Mm -hmm. but like he's already preemptively going into the the baseball bat move Mm -hmm. anticipating the perfect timeout. but i'm like you were in such good coverage you could have just not he wouldn't have even been able to catch it and you know so there was some of that stuff all in all obviously no complaints he was he was great
0: they played probably more zone than they had in the past good opportunity for him to watch the football too, not be trapped in a position where he never finds it in, in man coverage. So Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it plays against his strengths a little bit. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I was going to say that, you know, if he's, if he, he doesn't find the ball till after it's caught, you really want to have the baseball bats for arms. If you, if you, uh, uh, yeah, it's you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, They did not ask him to play much in the slot this year. They did have him chasing good receivers a lot. Uh, No pun intended in this division, but, With chase here oh yeah but but yeah certainly uh really good and and despite the number of opposing number ones he faced during the year the opponents only had one touchdown and 5.7 yards per target which i think really outstanding i'm actually kind of surprised he didn't make the pro bowl Uh, me too Uh, you know i
2: don't to be honest i don't even really look at those pro bowl rosters anymore it's you know i don't know it's, it's the all pros is more what i look at i am surprised mm-hmm. that he didn't make it it's probably just cuz the ravens overall had a disappointing season and the fir- the beginning of it kind of stuck in people's heads but <clears throat> it, it, i it's i don't want to see humphrey in the slot but i do i think a little bit more than than you do i like to see him being unpredictable in his alignment because i think there's an added benefit to The offense who is maybe trying to single out a specific defensive back, not knowing where the defensive backs will line up and it could just cause a little bit of confusion. So I don't want to see him play a third of his snaps in the slot or on one or the other side, but I do like when they, when they, when they give multiple looks and they, and they can confuse it. And now Humph is lining up on the other side and now he's in the slot on the left side. And I think there's a little benefit there.
0: Yeah, they do play some more complex coverages where they can take something away from what initially might look like a cover three look, and and he can he can then come down from that. They also have rushed him rushed him off the edge more than in past seasons, is my recollection. I have to I'd have to actually look and see if that's actually true. That's just what it just sort of seems like to me in terms of you know a, a general lack of a willingness to 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 bring cornerbacks regularly maybe maybe not being reasonable about this i know martindale had a lot more
2: no i was gonna i was gonna ask babies. you what you thought about this i feel like mcdonald in general is really good at scheming up cornerback pressure i think we saw it with with um kyle hamilton coming off the slot and i think he did it with um with humphrey as well i was gonna ask you what you what you thought about that wrinkle in the
0: defense so he rushed uh, okay he rushed the pass rusher he rushed the the passer a lot more under martindale it just happened to be a little more than 21 so 10 times in 22 mm-hmm. 8 times in 21 24 times in 20 and 41 times in 19 and i can tell you what that is that's him moving into the slot and and having more opportunities to to rush the quarterback from there mm-hmm. so playing on the outside obviously there's going to be a few less and so a lot of his what would have been pass rush snaps from the slot went to went to Kyle Hamilton this year. Do you have anything in there for the effectiveness of the 10 rushes? Like was there a, a, you know x amount of pressures or quarterback I, hits? I can tell you what PFF thinks about it. Yeah, they uh six total pressures in 10 pass rushes, which is pretty darn terrific. Right. Yeah, so that's uh yeah, it's outstanding. It, it, it is because they tend to get unblocked pressures from corner they have a pretty high pass rush standard rushing off a slot so uh that is still excellent though yeah yeah well the the, the point i was
2: going to get to with that was that i just i i like with with the with now having Kyle Hamilton and Roquan i feel like we have three guys on the team that can play five different positions well and i just think that there's something there creatively to harken back to like the organized chaos thing where you don't know who's coming from the Rex Ryan defense. There's just, there's something there that I would like to see them tap into a little bit in 2023 where you just don't know who's coming and who's playing the linebacker role, all that kind of stuff.
0: Right. I mean, not knowing who's coming is, is good. It's even more essential when you're playing the really higher percentage of four man rushes that they did with, with um, McDonald this year, Uh, many more numbers rushes plus many more scheme rushes. From uh, from Martindale in the past, I, I think this McDonald defense was even more effective at getting quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, who they you know had three good games against, to force the ball outside quickly. You know they a lot of balls out quickly. Burrow really relying on getting the ball out of his hand to his first read a lot of times to the outside, uh, just to, to get away from pressure, and that plays into the hands of a defense who uh is playing downhill from zone looks and only rushing four you're in a better position to come up and make those tackles uh when the ball does get outside
2: yeah i wonder you maybe you could speak to this how much of that was are you attributing to McDonald's scheme versus the Bengals injuries and offensive line woes and Adafi having a great game and you know like just actual good play across the line
0: it it was all three <clears> games <throat> against the Bengals that they that they forced this and the first game, if you remember, they didn't have anybody at outside linebacker. The Ravens were 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 host at mm-hmm. the outside linebacker position. Yeah, they did. I think they had just signed JPP at that point the week before. But anyway, the second game in week eighteen, they're resting a bunch of people. But the outside linebacker was one of the places they had five healthy guys, so they had more depth. Uh, the defense generally played very well. It certainly played well enough to win in week eighteen. The offense really fumbled the ball, fumbled the game away, threw the game away with some bad passes too from from Anthony Brown. And then back in the playoff game again, they 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 played well a third time and largely fully manned on defense. They had you know the players they were they were hoping to have in the game, and they just played great downhill football in all three of those games, you know, cutting down what Burrow did to the outside. I, I I take it it's one of the really big positive signs about the defense is how well they match up with him. Uh, I, and I, I hear your point. You're saying it's offensive line based and Hey, they were without three offensive linemen for that playoff game. I think there's some real validity to that. Uh, I think the Bengals will try and fix some of those areas, but once they fix one of those, you know, it, th- those cost a lot of money and that'll keep them from spending that money somewhere else. I mean, they already tried that this, this last off season, yeah. they spent the money there. So keep doubling down Cincy. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's move on. Talk a little bit about Marcus Peters. Uh, burned at times a little bit, but still to my mind, very clearly the Ravens second best cornerback He's the guy they want out there. I I'd love, I would love for the Ravens to find a way to resign him if the price is right. Uh, don't know how you feel about this though, too, but I, I'm kind of thinking it might be time for Peters to move to safety. And he, he, it seems like he's a player that would make that shift. He's playing more physically now than he has before. He's got to be a pretty good last line of defense if he's going to play that safety spot, but he does seem like he'd be a very like crafty center fielder uh, when you want that on the field. So I love Peters. I have a, I have
2: a soft spot for him. I I do not. I was I was very irritated last season when I was hearing all of the talk of that they might cut him. I thought that was insane. Mm-hmm. I would really love to see them find a way to keep him this year, especially I'm hearing that like maybe he'll get around ten million. I think the market might be a little softer than that. and if if we could get him I don't know six, seven million, like I, I don't see how that's not worth it. I don't know that I love if he's if, if he's gonna do the transition to safety now, I don't really see the value in keeping him then, right? Because we're so deep. So uh, to me, it would almost be w- with the foresight that he has the ability to transition to that. Maybe you sign him to a couple-year deal, two-three-year deal, and then uh, like right away have that conversation. Hey, like l- l- like we we would like you to start learning this position, and now. It, whatever, however, this shakes out with Chuck Clark if he gets traded or whatever, it, it, you don't actually need to add anyone to that room because you have Peters for like break in case of emergency, and then down the road you you do have that, that option.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that's that's one reasonable way to approach it. I just don't know where they're going to find the money. I mean, there's money is so tight. Players like Gus Edwards, Calais Campbell, you know, other high quality vintage players are going to be, have their jobs in jeopardy here with, with what goes on. Peters is, I think 30 right now, or he will be 30 very shortly. It's like, yeah, might've might, might have just turned it in January. I, I think he is 30. Okay. Yeah.
2: But the, the thing is though, like Chuck Clark is making that much money. He's making like six, six or six and a half million bucks, I think mm-hmm. somewhere around there. So I, I was, I wanted, I, I thought I, or I, I wanted them to trade Chuck Clark last offseason if they could get a third or a fourth round pick. We may have even talked about that in one of the offseason podcasts. Not that I don't like Chuck Clark, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: my thinking is the same as this year is now his he he probably has almost no trade value. So if we I don't know, I don't want to lose Chuck Clark either, but if he if you're saying we could have Chuck Clark or Marcus Peters, I think Marcus Peters
0: helps the team more. You, whoever gets Chuck Clark gets him for a 3.5 million this year. So that's incredible bargain price mm. for a defensive signal caller. If there is a team that can really understand Clark's value and that's difficult, if it's not the jets or giants, it's going to be very difficult for that to happen. Yeah. Um, then I think he could be, he could be worth some draft capital, but I also think if it didn't happen last year and they, and you know, the, some inquiries are made phone calls were made probably mostly incoming this year, more than outgoing. Uh, then, then I'm a little I'm a little surprised that it would happen this year and not this past year. Mm-hmm. So I think probably he's a Raven this year. Uh, it's only three and a half million dollars of cap savings if they cut him for what he gives this defense. I think they'd be crazy to give him up for that. Even if he were to to give up the green dot and shift to playing primarily like a dimeback role, if they were to trade Patrick Queen, he'd have a lot of value then. Uh, it, it's just I, I I don't like the idea of trading. Uh, Chuck Clark and I, 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 if I had to guess, I, I'd say he's over forty percent to be a, basically an every-down Green Dot player this next year. Where are you mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, I mean, if they keep him, then th- th- that's
2: the that's the most logical way to you know thing to do. He's, uh, I didn't think his play fell off that much. I didn't think it was his best season, but I you know wasn't wasn't terrible. So I agree. I don't think they should cut him for sure, but. I just think cornerback is to me the second or third most important position mm-hmm. on the team. Period. So if you're talking about someone like Peters, who you could he could have a Pro Bowl season next year. It's not like he's washed for sure. He just turned 30. It was his first year back from the knee injury. It's possible he has a bounce back season. We just saw this with Patrick Peterson, who's like 33. He could be great. So if you can get him for under 10 million. I just I would like for them to figure out a way to do it but I, I would if they could keep Chuck as well then yes
0: I mean I'm not disagreeing with your statement about Peters in particular I do have a couple more points to to make about him before we move on but um Clark's cut would only give you a third of what you need to sign Peters Yeah so he's, he's he's not really He's a, he's a third of a Peters in terms of what you can get back for him. He's there's not there's not some huge payoff. There's not you know the guy who you can maybe get for for the same money is maybe Justin Houston. You know if nobody still believes in him, mm-hmm. uh, or you have you know NLTBE bonuses built in there. JPP you can have for cheaper still uh, than Clark. You can get some you know players that are closer to the vet minimum. I'm trying to think of anybody who's really three and a half million is. Gus Edwards,
2: per- maybe? What's he at?
0: Yeah, four point four million of savings for Gus Edwards. So that's a pretty close, pretty close call there. So these are the guy like again, so I
2: love Gus, but that, that like I would rather lose Gus than Peters is my point. So I yep. only singled out Chuck Clark because we were talking about the defense and these multiple looks. And if we're talking about Peters learning to play safety, it does make some sense to get rid of the most expensive safety that's not Marcus Williams.
0: Right no i I mean, hey, I, I agree with that. They can only have all those safeties for so long, and they had a lot of tough difficulty getting them all on the field, obviously. I think there mm-hmm. is a way to get four on the field, um, but that would probably involve trading Patrick Queen and making sure that inside linebacker role was then split up and replatooned and keeping Hamilton in the slot where he excelled you know this this past year mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Peters, so let's go back to him for just a second. Sure. Uh, he he did not have his greatest yards per target year, eight point five. And if you look at it, he's he's gone up from five point five to seven point three to eight point five in his three years as a Raven. That's a pretty good um way of saying numerically how I feel about those three seasons. Great player in two thousand and nineteen uh, when they acquired him. Obviously missed a year due to injury. That's not that's missing in there. Then the seven point three. Uh, and 8.5 uh, you represent what could reasonably be projected as decline years, or modeled as decline years from from, from what they were. 113.7 passer rating against—that's per uh, Pro Football Reference. So that's a uh, lo- that's what that's what the passer rating when he was targeted. That's a lot. That's high. It's very high. <laughs> it, they that's could be that high. League, league leading passer rating there, and, and and he was targeted a fair amount. Um, so anyway, uh, it's interesting because before he left the Rams, the, the Ravens got him very cheap, obviously.
3: You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your 9am stand-up meeting, but it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water called liquid death. You've heard me talk about this many times. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. Plus, it's infinitely recyclable. Tallboy cans are helping to be a, bring a death to plastic bottles. Did you know plastic's not even really recyclable anymore? It ends up just going to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Meanwhile, aluminum is recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities. You guys know how much I love liquid death. It's in everything I do. I take it to work. I take it to the ball club. I take it when I'm out with the kids. I got them right here on my, can- on my desk because I'm recording a podcast. I'm always with it. What's cool now is I'm seeing you guys on Twitter talk about how you're grabbing your cans and going to work. So send me those stories about what you're doing and how you're cracking open a tall boy in odd situations because, hey, it's water. And not only is it water, it's the best water that you can go out there and buy. It's cold. You can drink it with whatever you're doing. So going out there, get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool by going to liquiddeath.com slash filmstudy. That's liquiddeath.com slash filmstudy.
0: In terms of what they traded, but he was at 9.4 and 9.6 yards per target. His last two seasons with the Rams 9.6 was a partial year in 2019, but the 9.4 in 2018, he was already, you know, the Rams going to say, oh, he's toast. He's no good, blah, blah, blah. And, And of course he came and turned it around and I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, the Ravens defense looks good. Peter's playing his best ball at the end of the year, although he was hurt for some of that period with Roquan. And now it seems like, you know, maybe this is a defense again that would fit fit him very well. I was just gonna bring that up. I was
2: gonna it's because what was weird with Peters is he hit the ground running so hard with the chiefs. he was i I'm pretty sure he was literally an all pro in his rookie and sophomore year he was like immediately it was like like sauce gardener type stuff, so right out of the gate he was awesome, and then he had a little bit of a turbulent third year he had a slump Then they trade him. And then it was kind of the same thing with the Rams. And then he snaps back into it with the Ravens. So I don't totally know what it is. He is an emotional kind of a heady guy. So there could be an element of like, you know, like he he gets in his own head and then he starts like um, playing on tilt and there's, you know, different things going on. But Tim, like I could easily see him having a pro bowl year next year. It would not be surprising. He never was. He was never a cornerback who relied on his athleticism anyway, so if he, if he got sapped of a quarter step, I don't know that it would be as bad. I think you might be muted.
0: Thank you for catching it. It's been a while since I've had a mute error, but, <laughs> but uh, great points there. And, and uh, uh, in the case of Marcus, uh, I agree on the, on the uh, uh, athleticism component. Always been a, a, a play with his head guy and a way Kyle hamilton is a similar player you know uh, somewhat limited physical skills uh, uh extraordinary body in terms of what hamilton brings to the position it's just very very different you know when's the last six four slot corner you've ever seen so so yeah we, he's we, the he is the physicality without the physical skills yeah and and does have the speed for the, for that slot position that everybody tells you is necessary, but obviously there are ways to work around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I love the, love the way that's worked out, but Peter's uh, uh, similar in that, you know, really loved to sit back in zone coverage, read the quarterback so well. Um, that's one of the reasons why I think he'd be so effective at free safety is I think yeah. his judgment of where the ball is going to be is at a very high level. Uh, he's willing to gamble and And he he just needs to he understands the principle that he just needs to be right some of the time in order for it to be a great gamble. and yeah, for sure, yeah, the tackling, wouldn't that concern you a little bit? would concern me. That's the one aspect of it that that does not seem to be of a, a fit and and maybe even the the amount of punishment he'd have to take at free safety, I'd be a little bit concerned about uh you know hes he's, a, he's got a little bit of an elfin build for the NFL. Mm -hmm. and uh and that might not serve him as well he doesn't he doesn't play afraid of contact
2: but Mm -hmm. even on the plays where he gets physical it's unorthodox you know it's not he's not like throwing his shoulder putting his you know head on the right Mm -hmm. side of the body and tackling through the guy he's just like shoving him with his arms or just doing like the kind of the hit stick style shoulder thing bumping into him and you're like dude if the guy doesn't fall
0: down that's a nightmare yeah like, particularly the sack he had on the on the wide receiver it was it was a Cleveland. Yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was mean, just a, I'll just run into him at top speed. I'll see what happens. Right, right. <laughs> did not even have his arms up, or did not appear no. to have his arms yeah. up on the play. At all. Let's move on. And talk a little bit about Brandon Stevens. I, I thought his play improved in the second half. It really needed to. Um, you know, with with Peter sidelined and now, you know, after being picked on and I thought, uh, you know, penalty prone. Early in the season, definitely was getting handsy a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really improved the second half, but he's still they, they throw at him an awful lot when he's on the field.
2: Yeah, so I'm not I'm not a, a Stevens guy, <laughs> but um, I don't want to just dog him here. You know, he it's 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 tough. I I don't really see. I I, I would not be happy if they went into the year expecting to get the play that they got at the very end or hoping that he was going to take a leap i think that he should be a bonus to them like That's like I, I i wouldn't want them to be counting on anything from him because there's a, a ton of variance in his play i i i specifically with cornerbacks i feel like it's similar to the offensive line in that you're only as good as your weakest link right with wide receivers you can just have one stud who burns everyone and the other guys don't need to be that good because you choose to target him. But if Mm -hmm. Brandon Stevens is on the field, it doesn't matter if Marlon Humphrey's locking down that guy because the corner, the quarterback doesn't need to look that way. So I just don't with guys like that. I I prefer to have the backup fourth cornerback slot, cornerback, whatever, be the guy that isn't getting torqued half the time and giving up the big penalties. I really don't want them to be the Brandon Stevens play style.
0: So if you've got, if, if the Ravens are staying with committed nickel and they, and they are, have the freedom to use um, Hamilton in the slot again in 2023, which I think is going to be something they're going to work to try and change, but who knows? Cause he's very effective there. Mm. Um, but if they have the freedom to use Hamilton in the slot again, would you be okay with Stevens being the team's fourth outside cornerback? So. Marlon Humphrey is obviously number one, whoever Peters draft pick, whoever is number two, some other guy they bring in, or may, maybe Jalen Armour Davis matures into the role is number three. And then Stevens is number four and also a backup safety and special teams player.
2: Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. I, I would, I, if Stevens is the number four, I'm fine. Cause th- there's still some upside there. Jalen Armour Davis. Now I, I would not be fine with him being the three. Um, I would rather have Stevens be the three based on what we saw. But yes, for sure. If there was a third, if it's who whoever, like Anthony Averett, he's a free agent. Maybe you get him for three, four million bucks, you can bring him back. Yeah. He could be your third and then Stevens is the fourth, then I'm okay. But I don't like we're one injury away
0: from Stevens starting on every snap. Anthony Averett be a be a fine guy to get back in Baltimore if mm-hmm. if they had the option to do it. That's uh that's certainly, he'd certainly be a good choice. Yeah. Uh I don't know if he'd go for that price. I'd be interested to see what you know where he I up. I looked him
2: up on the um the sports uh what's that sports track. Mm-hmm. His projected um salary was a four point six million this year, like what they were saying they thought he'd get, which is I mean, that's that's not that much. So
0: yep. Yep. Okay. I'd have to look at his play against the Raiders to see how he, how or for the Raiders to see how his play was really going. Uh, mm. Don't know a lot about it, obviously. Uh, Kyle Fuller, we talked about, we don't need to talk about it more. Pepe Williams. Well, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. Did, did
2: you give your two cents on Steve? Like where would you be comfortable with him?
0: I, I want to see him at outside corner for starters. I want to see him less jerked around in terms of where he's going. And in terms of a projection for going forward, I I'd be, I'm still hopeful. I'm so hopeful that the, that that he could be better than what he was early in the season when he was truly terrible and got benched. The Ravens didn't. I mean, the it's the worst case benching because he didn't start the game. Jalen Armor Davis did. Jalen Armor Davis got benched after nine snaps against New England in Week Three. Okay, and that might have been too many. And, and yeah, he, he was out of position a lot. Gave up a couple of big plays. It's going to happen. And then and then they put in Stevens, and he lasted until the beginning of the second half, and then they benched him. Yeah. First of all, he's behind Jalen Armour Davis. Why? And then second of all, he's he still couldn't hold on to a job, even at that point, where whoever's behind him is not going to be any good. And so they, they they benched him as well. And and I, you know what he did to come back and play well when, when Peters was out at the end of the year, I thought was very positive. I think it's something you'd look at and say, that's a guy we still have hope for. Okay. So- Keep him an outside cornerback. No more safety, no more slot corner, no more of the other position crap, no more Kimelei coreing the guy uh yeah, in terms yeah. of having him at the wrong position. But are you good with him at three as the number three outside? I'm not excited about it. Um, okay. you know, the Ravens, if they if they drafted a corner number one and it's Humphrey and the other number one in Hamilton, I I'd ride with that with Stevens as number four as the fourth guy and first up. Mm, okay. I'm not excited about it. But, yeah but uh but you know if if let's say you had two options and one is a cheap slot cornerback that can that can play there in place of hamilton if anything happens and maybe can play on the outside if if you need it or maybe you just go to stevens anyway i think i'd be okay with that obviously i would prefer if stevens is the fourth outside cornerback that's the ideal situation okay fair enough uh Pepe williams move on to
2: him Okay, so yeah, I mean, this one, this is going to be similar to the the Stevens conversation, where, although in, with with Pepe, you you just didn't see enough to, to make definitive statement one way or the other. I would not be comfortable if it was Kyle Hamilton and Pepe. I would I need some, there needs to be someone else in that slot position because he's he's very unproven. Uh, I didn't think he looked good, and I I just I mean. Better than Jalen Armor Davis, but I I, like he. It's kind of it's. This is going to be awkward because they created a logjam of young, like like developmental project cornerbacks that they're either going to have to supplement with with cheap veterans that are going to have injury issues and stuff like that, or they're going to have to bring in more fresh guys, and then there's just going to be like a free for all for who is getting thrown in there. And I really don't love when when the Ravens roll these these teams out during the season and you're just like trying to keep track of who these defensive backs are and they're just elevating practice I'm like can we like why don't we have a set room of six guys that we (laughs) know who they are why is it you know like it's it's there's too much
0: craziness I mean and obviously injuries were a big part of this Uh, There but there was some ineffective play and we talked about some of it Uh, Pepe, you know, there were some things I really liked about Pepe's game that I still think might translate to effective play, but he's pretty far away from being an effective slot corner. And I think, I don't think he can really play on the outside and I don't think he's really helping the team at safety in any way. So slot corner is his position and that, that makes it hard to, to get him on the active roster because he's got to be a, he's got to play special teams. And there's some places where he's not of ideal size to do that. Now, he can, I guess he can be a gunner on the punt team. He can be a wing guy if you, if you need him to do that. Um, but, but it's, it's more difficult to get him in there on, on punt coverage in particular, which uh, you know, you, you, you want a quality punt coverage team. Uh, he could return kicks for you. I suppose that could be a secondary thing he could do for the team. It's probably something that the, the team ought to look into if they haven't already. Uh, But, but he, he's fairly limited in terms of what he can do on a field for you and that's pretty much play slot corner.
2: Yeah, one of these guys I think uh, like I wouldn't be surprised if if they got traded or something because it's just I forget the name of the kid um a couple of years ago that we traded to the Patriots the yeah. year we drafted him remember that guy for like y- yes I think I we, <laughs> we 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 dropped down one one um round in the trade compensation for what we paid for him but DeCosta has not been afraid to just kind of, you know, say, Hey, uh, mistake, let's just get back something. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of these two guys. It, it was Sean Wade in 21. Yes. The guy you're talking about from Ohio yeah. state. Yeah. 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 So the, the, he, he went with Stevens in that scenario, but yeah, I, I, you know, Pepe with, with limited, with limited, like play, he can, you know, the, the, the limited amount, he can give you at different positions I don't know, maybe in training camp, if they don't see anything, they just pull the trigger.
0: Right. The other guy they have that kind of is in the same role as Pepe, but I think can do a little bit more for you on the football field, meaning more different roles, not necessarily better, is Jalen Armour Davis. I'm mm-hmm. uh, Sorry, not, J- not not Jalen Armour Davis. Sorry, is Ardarius Washington, who mm-hmm. also plays slot, is also a little bit off uh, optimal top speed, uh, is small, but he can play safety. Uh, even though he's a little bit smaller, has a little bit, and, and he probably has a slightly bigger special teams role uh, in terms of what he can give you there as well.
2: Yeah, I was surprised when we didn't see him down the stretch. There was a couple games there where I, I expected him to be active and he wasn't. I can't remember exactly, but uh, you probably know you, you keep track of that stuff really well. There was one or two of the games where we saw Whirly, and then we saw someone else, and I just I thought I'd see our, you know our Darius on the field. Um, I think they even had Seymour active on one of the
0: games. Oh, Seymour was active pretty much all the games because he's key special teams player, core special teams player. I, I'd have to look back. To, I, I'm not sure how many games he was inactive, but he's active for most. Um, in the case of uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Pepe, one of the reasons he didn't get on the field late in the season is Hamilton had completely taken over the slot role, and uh, they didn't play dime very much. So Pepe and Ardarius Washington lost a lot of their opportunities. They didn't play dime because, you know, they, they acquired Roquan Smith and they became a committed nickel team. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was a matter of of numbers at that point. And uh, it's one of the reasons why Roquan's addition was such a game changer for the Ravens is it really helped uh, shore up some of the cornerback weakness the team had in particular. hmm Yeah. Move on to Joe Armor Davis. Okay. Yeah. So, so he,
2: I mean, so he is the one that I have the least faith in of everyone. Now, I I think contrary to that, you could argue he has the highest upside. So maybe you give him the most rope, but but he just he really did not look great when he got out there. And he isn't overly athletic. So like, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't impressed. I mean, it's a very limited sample size we're looking at but he didn't tackle well. And the few opportunities he did, I actually looked it up and he had, I think I heard you say on one of the shows that, um, uh, Patrick queen had a 15% missed tackle rate and armor Davis had a 15% missed tackle rate was 14.7 or something.
0: That's a little more acceptable at cornerback, honestly. Um, but neither it's not good either place. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And he also had the second lowest uh, coverage
2: grade out of the 200 uh, defensive backs graded by PFF. No, that's not good. <laughs> he, was, he was 198 out of, or 199 out of 200. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was looking it up. I'm like, was he as bad as I remember? And I just looked it up. I'm like, man, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Maybe he makes a huge leap. I don't know. He, he has the size that, you know, the, the Alabama guys have – some sort of like a a mind meld happening in the front office with the Ravens. So maybe there's something there. What did you think?
0: Well, he looked like a guy who had not been playing the position for long. And I don't want to use that as an excuse for him because I don't really think it's a, it's a, it's a good excuse. You, you draft in the guy, you, you expect him to be somewhere along the developmental curve. Probably they thought he was ahead of where he was. His, his just positioning is so bad. his, you know, reading of things at the top of the route is not good. You know, it it leads to wide receivers going back to the huddle and telling the quarterback, "I was open, I was open, I was open." Mm-hmm. And you, I, I just, I, you, you got to have a guy who uh, is going to project some. I mean, wide receivers do that anyway, but but hopefully will uh, project some sort of fear into that quarterback, if not the wide receiver. Uh, in terms of what's going on. It's just he's he's too out of position too often. But in in a sense, Tyler, that's a correctable issue. You know, I'm not not, not saying it will be corrected in his case or that the Ravens have time to play through some correction. But the biggest thing I could could recommend to Jalen Arbor Davis this offseason is go to one of these camps, whether it's the Deion Sanders thing. I don't even know if he's still running that now that he's a big-time college coach. But, you know, he needs to go to one of these camps for cornerbacks to really learn how to play the position at the nfl level and and it, it bet on yourself you know do what lamar did have a, have a cb guru instead of a quarterback guru uh it can't just be about working out it it just can't be about that this offseason mm-hmm. yeah it's it's so i don't know enough about uh cornerback
2: play and and reading the the specific like fundamentals as well as you know some of these other guys are so i don't know but I don't know how it works with spatial awareness and like the intuitive, like the intuitive things that happen on the field where you're just kind of like reading the, the the distance closing and then feeling you know like reading the the leverage and all that sort of stuff. I don't know how much of that is innate or learned, because it seems usually to be something intuitive to players. Like that, that transfers over. Players that have that at college have that in the NFL. So if that was something he showed in college and now doesn't have, maybe he could learn, but it could just be that he just doesn't have that.
0: The comparable player on offense is Daniel Faolele. I mean, the guy just has not been playing offensive tackle for long enough and at a high enough level to realize that he can't do it passively. So with Fale, he, he's, he's not aggressive enough, in my opinion, with his punch is the biggest thing about him. He doesn't aggressively go after his opponent to try and force an error or a miss, um, what do I want to call it, a mistiming of his pass rush move with a punch. And I, it, with with Armour Davis, it's probably some of that is just knowing and, and that at, when he played at Alabama, certainly when he played in high school, he's faster than everybody else. Tons of makeup speed you know could 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 make do with with whatever kind of mistake he'd even make at the top of the stem in fact he'd rather do he'd rather almost not ever gamble at the top of the route because he's always fast enough to to do something mm-hmm. uh, and and at this level it's not going to work anymore so he has to he has to you know make use of his Modest or, or average, we'll call them NFL cornerback attributes to play at a better level. And to do that, I think he's going to have to get positional coaching. Um, Linderbaum's going through the same thing as a pass blocker this year. You know, having to learn what will work, what won't work, from what did work at Iowa. Mm. You know, it's a different it's a different level of play. It's it's a, it's a it's a you know a new set of things that he has to learn. Obviously, more reps will help you do that, and. Uh, Leonard improved as a pass rusher, I would say during the season, even though his overall level of play in that particular department was not great, especially compared to the run in terms of, of, uh, of, uh, JAD, I don't know exactly what's going to fix it, but I don't know if the Ravens have time to wait on it. And, uh, we're going to have to see, he obviously wasn't the guy who is the immediate light goes on. He's replacing Marcus Peters next year kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So right there you know, they, they, they didn't get what they hoped for out of the draft pick, but
2: yeah. yeah. And I hate to, I I hate to do the thing where you look over into the neighbor's yard, but there was multiple cornerbacks that went after him. Oh, (laughs) oh my God. It's like, (laughs) dude, like why there's like, there's like so many other players, but where, where do you land on armor Davis? What, what, what would you like to see from the team expectations next year?
0: I mean, I I think he has to fit into their plans in terms of being in camp, but I, I want to see an off season commitment that 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 shows advancement. So when he gets to camp, if he's the same player as he was this last year, I I think he might even find himself on the outside by the time the first roster is is announced. It would look it could make the Ravens look very dumb doing it, but I think it's it's possible. And it would kind of depend on who else steps up in camp because the Ravens will have a couple non roster guys. We don't know who they are yet. Mm-hmm. But they may find somebody that they really like. They may find a UDFA and a number one corner that they draft and a free agent. And all of a sudden, I don't know if we got room for J- Jalen Armor Davis. But if he yeah. shows up at camp and he's taking a step forward, then you then you hope.
2: Right.
0: Let's uh let's uh one more guy I want to talk about is Worley. A very interesting year for Worley. 18 transactions per the Ravens website. Now, what, what does that mean? It means his agent was busy, yeah, well, he was, but on 8 8, he was signed, and it's just to the 90 at that point 8 30 cut with everybody else, 8 31 resigned to the practice squad, 9 17 signed from the practice squad to the active roster. Well, that should be the last one. Then he was terminated on 9 27, resigned to the practice squad on 9 28, resigned to the practice squad on 10 8. So he must have been, must have left the practice squad at some point, and that's not even recorded here. Then he was terminated as a vested veteran on 10-11. He was re-signed to the practice squad on 10-12. He was re-signed to the active roster on 10-21, terminated as a vested veteran on 10-23, re-signed from the practice squad to the active roster on 10-27, terminated on 11-1, activated from the practice squad as a standard elevation on (laughs) 11-19. Resigned signed from the practice squad to the active roster on 11-26. Uh, placed on injured reserve on 12-10. And he's still not done for the year because he came back and he played in that Week 18 game. And, and had a
2: sneaky good game.
0: Yeah, and had uh, you know up and down game anyway, I'll, I'll say. Got burned a couple times when, they, when, when it didn't, didn't work out, but did have some sneaky good physicality. I think he might actually fit in the Ravens' plans this next year. Yeah, he's going to be a, a vet men guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the just hearing you read that list is so yeah. ridiculous. Um, I mean, it does it does speak a little bit to his consistent play. The team obviously felt like he was the first call away guy, and they, you know, he he gives you special teams value. So there's something there. I think I, I kind of like guys like like Seymour and Ardarius Washington and Worley Moore. I have an affinity for them more than the guys like Armor Davis and Pepe, who were only on the roster due to pedigree but they're not even better players than these other guys and they don't give you the versatility you know i tend to like i feel like if i was a gm i'd be quick to pull the trigger and and hold on to a guy like worley over Armour davis
0: yeah i i could uh i i could definitely see that um worley you definitely has the the has the size and length to be that good outside corner. He's very prototypical. So is Jalen Armour Davis. So then you're really about who's, who's playing a little bit better. And Worley got picked on like crazy. So we actually got a chance to see versus Joe Burrow, how he could maybe hold up. And uh, you know, there, it's not like the game is without warts. He had plenty of warts in that yeah. game, but, but the fact that he got targeted a lot might actually be good in terms of, do the Ravens want to keep him around next year or not? But it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, <laughs> like an, an objective, failure
2: like like the the, the he w- he didn't do great in general but based on how
0: bad you expected him to be he was actually yeah. pretty good yeah you know yeah i would agree and and uh, we're grading yeah, on
2: a curve here ken
0: yes we are and, and we don't want to grade DoorDash cornerbacks on a on a curve and pretend like they need to be part of your starting plans the next year i just think worley is another guy who fits into that fourth outside cornerback look and maybe even he gets the same treatment he did this last year i, I don't know if he could take it I don't know if he wants to take it, but, you know, make it, make a good amount of money on a split contract. Yeah. And, uh, and hopefully- he's going to get
2: carpal tunnel sign in that eight to
0: 20 different <laughs> transaction deals. He's going to end up on IR with carpal tunnel. Yeah, pretty fun. Pretty fun. All right. Let's clean this up here and and we'll talk about a few little prognostication components. So, Oh, wait, uh, before I forget,
2: sure. I wanted to ask you about the guy you you saw that they signed a uh, Trayvon Mullen, yes. right? But what do
0: we think of him? I I mean I don't know much about him but it's definitely a very interesting signing and I think it's it's one of those things that uh fits in well with the fact that um he's a he's a relative of Lamar's right
2: so, so that, that's why I thought it was interesting cuz yes. he he was a, uh, uh, I looked him up afterwards he was like a mid second round pick for the Raiders I think and I guess it didn't work out. He had 30, 30 starts with them, and now he's bounced around to a couple teams. But is it just a coincidence that he's Lamar's cousin, or are, now, are we now getting into the twilight zone where they're making subliminal moves to try to entice Lamar into staying or something?
0: You know, if, if, if you have a choice between multiple guys, and and that might actually build just some good will with Lamar, there's worse things to do with a spot on the 90-man roster. I'm, I'm all for it.
2: This is um, like this is like the Bucks having all of Giannis's brothers on the team. <laughs> Giannis Antetokounmpo has like five brothers, and they're all like the 10th through 15th player on the Bucks.
0: <laughs> I did not know that, but that's that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um. Anyway, hopefully, a a a guy who could maybe provide something. Uh, we'll uh. We'll see. Obviously, um. Yeah. He'll he'll have something to say because he's young. He's,
2: I think he's only 25 or something, so he might have something to say about these guys we're talking about at the end of the, the the bubble here. He might have something to say about it.
0: Yeah, good point. He'll only be 26 for the opener, and he is a he is a, at this point, I believe, a pure free agent based on. Yeah, he's played four full years, so um, whatever deal they've got him signed to, uh, I assume is would be a vet man deal if he makes the team. So it's it's uh, you know, hopefully that's a that's the thing. If I I do not think Trayvon Mullen will have any influence on whether or not Lamar actually signs this contract but hey if it if it if it increased the probability by 1% of it happening and we're not this won't happen by die roll unfortunately then I'd be for it well as we know Lamar is not accepting anything less than 100% <laughs> oh
2: no we're not going down that
0: again <laughs> no,
2: let's, I, uh, we did a whole pot on this i'm not going to take the bit. i'm not
0: taking <laughs> the bait. so okay let's move on and talk about 2023 a little bit cuz the 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 uh one of the things that, that could change the entire landscape at corner is if the Ravens make a move and trade Patrick queen. And I still think it's possible they could get four safeties on the field. The way they would do it is they'd have stone and um, Williams on the back end splitting the field. Clark would be back up in the box in his very traditional dime roll. Uh, so he'd be, he'd be on the back end. he'd be a, he'd be a strong safety otherwise, but it, but on, on obvious passing downs, he'd be in the dime roll. Uh, with them going back to a platoon at, at weak side linebacker. And then you still get Hamilton on the field at slot corner. Mm-hmm. And I, that to me, that would be a very imposing pass defense. If you could put that on the field. For sure. I, I mean, it, it's, you're in kind of a
2: gray area where the nickel dime categories are, are more anecdotal. And you know, it's more of an academic labeling because You have a a safety playing cornerback, but regardless from a size perspective, you're getting the benefit that safeties bring, which is Chuck Clark's a terrific tackler and he's way better in the run game than any normal slot cornerback and maybe even Patrick Queen or something arguably. And then obviously Cal Hamilton gives you all of those benefits of both. So either way, it would be, I mean, that would be a really cool defense to see if they had that shell, that would be really cool.
0: Be all for it. But uh, but anyway, that's one thing that'll influence the thing. Let's let's do play a little bit along with the with the probability game with me. And and what's your likelihood that they take use the number one pick at cornerback as opposed to wide receiver or any other field, we'll call it those three. If you want to, if you want to put it in, I'm gonna write down real quickly what I think it is. And I've got to be consistent with what I said with Michael Crawford. But I've got three numbers. The first number is probability it's on cornerback is the number one pick second number is probability it's a wide receiver third number is all other okay,
2: and are we are we answering this under the assumption that Lamar is on the team?
0: no no assumptions this is you just you got regardless yeah you what well, you gotta you gotta figure out what's the probability of Lamar being on the team and what are my two right. choices obviously okay yes,
2: yeah. gotcha let me let me t- retweak the formula in my head here. carry okay. the one' its tw- <laughs> all right, so i'm gonna go with wide receiver. I would say 33.3%. Okay. I'm going to go cornerback at – no, I don't like that. All right, I'm going to do 40% wide receiver, 30% 30 cornerback with the remaining 30% other.
0: Okay, so we're pretty close. I have 45 – corner i think that's the most likely position 35 wide receiver and 20 percent other i really think it's 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 they will have some control over it but i don't like this draft for the ravens for a lot of reasons not having a number two pick really does not put you in a good position leverage wise when you want to trade number one and trade down and i'm afraid that the ravens will will look around for trading partners with pick number 22 somebody will want to move up maybe two teams do in which case they're in a better position. But if only one team really thinks they really need to move into it, they're going to try and fleece the Ravens because they say the Ravens only need cornerback and wide receiver. And because of that, you know, if we're trading them pick number 36, that has a chance to fall into some value ranges for players that they would like, but we don't have to give them as much as they would normally get in JJ points for the difference between 36 and 22, if you follow that. Sure. And then <clears throat> this is all on my end, this is
2: all coming with without any, uh, you know, any research done on this current draft class. So I have no idea how it shakes out it. there might be 10 mm-hmm. first round cornerbacks in the first round and that changes things. But the way I was looking at it is I'm not that interested in depth at wide receiver because we need a legitimate guy at wide receiver, whereas depth at cornerback is actually what we do need. We don't need a number one guy at cornerback. I mean, you'll take a number one guy at both, but we have a number one cornerback. And if we keep Peters, we have a great number two cornerback and we have a great slot in Hamilton if we want it. So we don't even need a starter period. So in a perfect world, if we can get a number one option or a hopefully number one option or number two, that's, that to me would be the biggest boon to the team's overall
0: like success. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a and that's a real fair one. I think that you know their 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 need for a a top end wide receiver would really change the offense in a lot of ways. And there's no other source coming. And we've seen the pictures of Bateman's foot. His health is going to be up in the air when the season starts. We are not gonna know mm-hmm. if he's completely recovered or not. And uh uh yeah. It, what is uh, in the water at Owens Mills for these receivers, dude? What is going on, man? Well, the football, if you're Jordan Lasley, because you threw it there. But uh, you uh, It was supposed to be a joke, but it didn't. It didn't really come across that well. I didn't. Uh, I, did, I didn't get the reference. So Jordan Lasley and and Jaleel Scott were both drafted in the same draft in in eighteen. When every other draft was a you know grand slam. Yeah. <laughs> every other pick was a grand slam. Jordan Lasley got cut after throwing the ball into the pond that they have. I don't. If if you haven't been out to that to, to see practice ever, it's a really kind of a buggy camp, and particularly they have a dragonfly problem. They mm. u- these huge bugs that come out of this pit that's next to the next to the area. So when they built the thing, that it could have brought in a civil engineer, I guess, and closed that off. But they didn't. They they didn't really get rid of a boggy area there. And they dragonflies build character, Ken. There you go, and 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 ponds, you know, give a player a chance to throw a ball away when he's upset, and he did that. And I thought he was he earned some doghouse points for that. Did <laughs> that? Did he get cut for because yeah. he? <laughs> not, I, I don't know. It's because of that, but but you know, it was infantile behavior that adds on to the other things that are there, and it can be an additional straw to break the camel's back. But I think basically he's not a really productive receiver, so that was part of the problem. And then, Jul- <laughs> yeah, Jul- Julio Scott, same kind of deal, is never really, yeah got off the, the, uh, inactive list, but man, IR. it's just it's, the
2: Ravens in every position. I could probably off the top of my head, go down to literally every position, including special teams and name a stud pro bowler that we've drafted. And yeah. we haven't even, I don't think we've sniffed an alternate like Anquan Bolden might've been an alternate, but we traded for him. Maybe Derek Mason, the thousand yard season was a second, yeah. third alternate. That's it. Like, we just can't do it.
0: Tory Smith was really the closest and, uh, and, you know, he was value in the second round, but, but honestly, they, the, uh, you know, Brashad Perriman obviously didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Rashad Bateman still could work out, but mm-hmm. you know, we are where we are now. Yeah. Just give us one, please. Uh, probably w- at least one UFA they're going to like, I think we'll make this roster and, and it's possible that, uh, uh you know, that's I'm talking a vet minimum unrestricted free agent, not a UDFA, but that's certainly also possible with this mm. team. Historically speaking, probable. Well, that somebody at some position makes it. I'm I'm really yeah. saying at cornerback. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that the, that the field is weak enough that players like Washington are not safe from reset risk entering year three for Washington. Right. So, so he, uh, you know, after his reset risk is very high entering year three, Steven's, I think he played well enough down the stretch that I think he's safe. Jalen Armor Davis is only a second year player. The Ravens don't usually give up that quickly. Uh, Pepe. I don't know. I don't know if he's shown enough in in terms of what he's done, but you know, there is definitely room for a lot of competition, even with some UDFAs on this roster.
2: Yeah, for sure. And we've already seen them bring in the, uh, the uh Trayvon uh I forget his name Trayvon Williams uh Mullins yeah so that's already that and there's like you know I was looking down the list of some of these under or unrestricted free agent cornerbacks there's some names on there guys that are going to be making less than five million I'm sure they'll bring in a couple
0: all right all right Tyler just a pleasure talking uh football with you and and uh as always we we enjoy doing it this goes a little longer than we expected but uh great show and really appreciate you coming on tell folks where they can talk football with you online yeah
2: i am i think it's tyler gross is my actually you probably know better than me Cra- at crazy Twitter. raven 88 at crazy raven 88 with a k i'm trying to get on there a little bit more to to talk with the film study uh community they got a nice group of, of uh people on there um that's pretty much it ken i love doing these pods with you man
0: i appreciate you having me back it's really fun uh, we'll we'll be sure to do that any number of times. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, perfect opportunity coming up this offseason, hit me up on a that one play idea. I want to look at one play in Ravens history from whatever perspective you'd like to look at it. Some plays are historic. Uh, the Mile High Miracle, you know, the the, the the blocked field goal for a turn. Ray Lewis's return off of uh, Eddie George. Uh, Throwing the, the ball in the pond. Th- yeah, there you go. But, Legendary. But, Pick, pick that one play. Uh, t- tell me about it and maybe a couple points why it was important to you. I'll get you on right away. 15-minute show we're talking about. If you want me to add history, I'll layer all that in for you uh, in terms of where the Ravens were at the time. That's what I think is a lot of the fun of these pods. But also, you know, if, if there's an analytic angle, that's fine. I'll tell you one of the interesting angles we had was a guy who was the Ravens photographer's assistant who wants to be on to talk about some particular play that he saw from down low at field level and why it was special to him. That's the kind of thing I want. Oh, know? that sounds awesome. Yeah. So it will be a lot of fun and a lot of different perspectives. If if you never were sure about being on a pod, please come on, just give it a try and, and you know, think of me as a, as a talk radio host and, and you're, you're just given, you know, an opportunity to, to, to call up and, and chat for a few minutes and uh, with football, someone who just really loves to do it. So uh, if you're passionate about it, I'm sure I'll like it. Tyler, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.